everybody, welcome back to Witch Rakes. Today we're talking about a book I enjoyed. Feels like that's a rarity. I was beginning to feel like in, in my last like couple of books that I've read for the podcast, not necessarily the order in which they were reviewed, but maybe I just hate reading, which as an author is a hard thing to try and confront about yourself. But I don't think I hate reading. I think I just had a run of bad books and a lack of motivation. And the, the two things combined of the books that I was reading were bad books to me like that I wasn't enjoying and the fact that I just didn't feel like the reading process it really caused this circular problem where every time I read a book that I didn't like I would feel less like reading and then every time I was like picking up a new book I'd be like oh well this is probably gonna be terrible as well I don't even want to be reading this and that would cause me to not enjoy that book but hopefully we're out of that cycle now and we're back onto the magical bakery mystery series because I got a couple of these for Christmas uh, and I finally feel ready to dive back in. I think I had a bad time with the, the last one that I read for the podcast, which I think was Some Enchanty Declare. Uh, if that was the one where they introduced the notion of memory wiping potions, like right at the end of the book, and I was like, well, how the hell was I meant to know that that was an option? We're back on firm ground now. This one is Magic and Macaroons, not Macarons. I'm very pleased that this was dealt with in the book. But, like, there's a difference between the two. And I'm just forestalling anyone who is heading to the comment section to go, actually, it's macarons. No, those are different things. <laughs> it, just, it just annoys me. Anywho, this one has a more voodoo-focused storyline. And here is the blurb. For magical baker Katie Lightfoot, the only way to beat the Savannah summer heat is to whip up some cool treats for the Honeybee Bakery's patrons. But when a meeting of the Spell Book Club is interrupted by a stranger collapsing on the floor of her shop, mumbling something about a voodoo talisman, Katie drops everything to begin investigating. Her search for answers quickly leads her into a dangerous blend of Savannah's most potent witches, a powerful missing charm, and a killer who seems to be targeting the city's magical community. And with the case getting hotter by the second, Katie will have to work fast to track down the talisman and the killer before the timer runs out. I hadn't actually read the blurb again since I read the book, but when they say a killer targeting the magical community, that doesn't appear in the book. I'm struggling to like search through the plot in my head. Like there's an attempt on the life of one person and also Katie, but that's directly tied to the investigation. It's not like a separate killer. So I feel like the blurb is, is slightly misleading in that sense. Um, but the story then. So the story actually deals with some kind of interesting ideas about the magical community and clears up some of the points uh, that I hadn't liked in previous books. Namely, the, they talk about um, voodoo as if it's like a bad thing. When they talk about Cookie, uh, who's a member of the Spell Book Club, um, she comes from like a, a voodoo practicing background and her father was um, killed because of his association with voodoo. So obviously she has a reason to have negative associations with her experience of it, and that's not a problem. But they talk about her as if she is the morally ambiguous one of the group because she has experience in black magic, evil magic, because she is connected to voodoo in this way. And that always kind of rubbed me up the wrong way, but in this they do clarify that it isn't so much that it's evil, it's just the fact that it can be used in an evil way. So... Um, that is framed slightly differently actually like kind of clears up some of that negative connotations that have been put on it through the other books so the story then basically katie and her little spell book club are getting together and they're talking about a spell book that katie has picked and they're kind of going off on it um 
and saying that like oh this person doesn't know anything about what they're doing why have they bothered to write a book about it it lacks anything about intention um and on page four it says she forgets that spells are tools by which we send intentions into the universe and not to say that physical things like water and salt and herbs and stones blah 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 all those things have power of their own to be tapped and shaped but without intention that power is chaotic and ineffective I mean, that's definitely a belief that you can have, but a book not catering to that doesn't make it a bad book. Um, like when I talk about books that just say things that I don't believe in, it's like, okay, well, that is not something that I believe. And I usually say like, oh, I skimmed over this because it's not something I believe in. It's only if that thing is being presented as true fact, like this is the only way to do it, that I get annoyed about it. Uh, and I usually like try and present alongside that what I believe instead. Um, so that kind of rubbed me up the wrong way in the first couple of pages, but this does become kind of relevant later on because they're saying that this sort of neophyte has written this book um, and she has a guru who's a much older man and they talk about the potential for abuse and, you know, fake mentors and all that stuff. Uh, and they talk about how it's like blind devotion on the part of his followers and that sort of thing. So um, that does become slightly relevant later, but not like... I would say hugely relevant it's just uh, a fun thing that comes back later on in the story but in the middle of this meeting the door uh, gets banged on they open it some woman comes in is like i've lost the talisman um franklin tate told me that you needed to find the talisman and then she nearly dies like she has like a sort of heart issue i, I don't know if it's actually a heart attack or just like a, a minor like her heart stops beating for another reason that's not minor sarah that's fatal <laughs> but yeah she has a, a sort of medical emergency and then is taken away and uh, falls into a coma and they find out she's the niece of franklin tate who is the policeman who appeared in like one of the early novels uh called katie a light witch and then vanished and she got a psychic message from him i think in some enchanted declare saying that he had failed to be her guide and he was sending someone to like help her this is slightly complicated when they find his body um quite soon after this uh, and he's only been dead for like a few days but she got that message saying like from his spirit months ago so how can he both be have been dead for like all those months and yet only recently died you're damn right it's got something to do with comas you're so clever Anywho, so basically the whole story is Katie trying to work out what happened to Franklin, uh, like how he was killed, why he went missing three months ago uh, and only now just turned up dead, where has he been in the intervening time and what case was he working on. Also trying to find the Grigri slash talisman um, which his niece was looking for uh, to try and you know, get her out of this coma and the niece gives her one clue before she falls into this coma and says she, you need to find the voodoo queen it turns out there are three of these in savannah so we go on a little journey and we go in and meet all of them and um cookie becomes instrumental in that she's there to like make the introductions and bring katie around inside this community and it's a really kind of interesting look at cookie as a character and her relationship with Katie because they get to go around and spend more time together we get to focus on her a little bit and her new marriage and her experience with voodoo in the past and I really like that and like getting to because I find Katie's friend group or spell book club a little bit interchangeable like sometimes it'll be like oh Mimsy and Jada and the other one 
I can't remember her name, showed up and I have no clear picture of any of these people in my mind and I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, so these people are here now and I think one of them has a dog. I just sort of gloss over descriptions of them but this really made Cookie stick out in my mind and I, I was kind of happy to like spend a bit more time with her. Uh, the actual mystery um, was fairly good, it was a bit surprising at the end, I mean... I'm getting into spoiler territory now because fairly early on in the book we are introduced to Steve's new girlfriend. Uh, Steve is the guy who I hate but who is apparently a love rival for Declan the Hot Fireman who Katie's in a relationship with. Um, and he has this new girlfriend called Samantha which instantly made me think of Samantha from Sex and the City. And she's very blonde and she's very uh, assertive and very like Katie doesn't like her immediately. Um, and she seems a bit off, and for some reason Steve proposes to her like two weeks after they met. So I kind of had her fingered as the as the baden for most of the book. And they did throw some like credible um, alternative suspects in my way as, as we progressed through the story. But it was definitely her at the top of my suspect list. But there was a sort of background plot and other people involved, which I did not see coming, so that was very good. So that was very enjoyable. I like the mystery element to that. The ending did feel a little bit like rushed because they go plowing into this like life or death situation and then it's over within a couple of pages and it's very dramatic for a second and then very not. Um, which I think I've said before about some of the other ones, but it just kind of feels like for a second the pace of the book really ramps up and then it's back to normal and it feels like, oh, that was a weird blip. There we go. Speaking of Declan, uh, we get a little bit more about him and how he's connected to this guy in his family who may or may not be a leprechaun. God, I hope he's not a leprechaun. But he, he basically functions as like a guardian spirit who Declan becomes more open to and he can kind of take over Declan's body for short periods, like if he needs to get him out of danger. And he uses this to like save Kate at one point. So Declan's becoming like more at ease with the magical side of things and that's great to see. Now normally I, um, I'm sort of on the fence about the sort of bakery element of, of these books. It kind of annoyed me in one of the books where they, I think they go to like a bunch of different places and one that really sticks in my head is like a campaign party. It may have been on a boat. I can't remember. But they, they talk endlessly about like the different food that's being served there and I'm like, there's a time and a place for the food stuff to come in to novels that are like cozy because of their food and bakery content and that's usually at points before the murder happens and not while you're investigating it it just feels weird to me to go somewhere where we're meant to be focusing on you know the, the murder mystery and then talk for several pages about hors d'oeuvres um but this one really struck that balance well we had bakery stuff in the bakery and then sometimes she would take like pastries to someone if she was like going to talk to them about murder which is very polite um but it wouldn't endlessly focus on unimportant details you know, outside of that and what i found really cute uh, really cool was at the beginning of chapter seven which is on page 71 and goes over to page 72 um she talks about uh, katie the main character talks about her sourdough starter and how uh, she like made it way back before she moved to Savannah and it had like a certain flavour there from like the natural yeasts and it's like she brought a bit of that place with her and then as she's brought it to Savannah and used it and refreshed it it's like taken on some of the natural yeasts of this new area and it, the flavour has changed and she goes over the um, process of doing so 
uh, with like flour and water and talks about how you can do it with the grape skins um and it was just really fascinating to me and i really liked that that detail it kind of made me want to start my own sourdough starter which is the point of books like this is to make you feel like oh yeah that is nice maybe i'll try one of the recipes at the back of this book or maybe i'll try one of like the baking things that they talked about um so that was really successful really liked that detail the thing is the recipe at the back of this book is actually katie's thumbprint macaroons which i mentioned and also lucy's brazilian cheese bread uh, which i mentioned in the story but at one point declan cooks dinner for katie and i can't remember what page this is on but like i oh, can you find it uh, but he makes her like smothered pork chops with fried apples and a savory corn pudding and a salad of like tomatoes and corn um and that sounded amazing <laughs> i got to the end of the book and i was like oh there's no recipe for the pork chops how disappointing so put some of Declan's recipes in I'd, I'd be interested to make something savory from that because that sounds yummo that's weirdly off topic but there we go uh, so it's one of the parts where they talk about voodoo is chap uh, page 81 and they talk about um sort of cookies history with it Katie sort of opens up this conversation by saying so voodoo isn't black magic um which is kind of a different position to what has been sort of felt in the book they've never outright stated that it's evil but it did always feel like when they were describing like the characters and like going through it, and oh, and this is Cookie. She's used to practice voodoo, so she's sort of morally ambiguous and and sort of more inclined to work with like grey magic. And the the interesting thing that I want to bring to your attention is actually about grey magic. So it says, from what others had said, Cookie's tendency to practice a slightly darker magic than the rest of us was rooted in her voodoo background. So that kind of re repeats again that thing that I was just saying about how you know she's slightly more morally ambiguous than these um more Wiccan ladies and then Cookie kind of chirps in with it is black it's white it's purple and green and red you and the others always talk about grey magic as if the only colours of magic can be found on some continuum between white and black but magic is bigger wider and deeper than that the spellbook club believes it's dark magic to try and bend anyone to your will even love spells are forbidden though I do know you and your aunt open the way for such things in some of your kitchen spells I'm like skipping some dialogue between these and then she says, in voodoo, that would not be considered evil. However, the very definitions of good, evil, dark and light all are different. And then Katie asks about the rule of three, which obviously they, they don't have. And Cookie says, I personally believe in the rule, of course, but it's not a part of voodoo tradition. This is really simplifying things, but you don't have the time to learn everything there is to know about voodoo. There's not even one voodoo to learn about. There is voodoo from Louisiana and voodoo from Haiti. She spelled each of the versions. Uh, it's V-O-D-O-U from Haiti and the double O-double O from Louisiana. She says, Voodoo is the national religion in Haiti, a deep part of the culture originating with the slaves that rebelled there. Did you know Haiti was the first country where the slaves overcame their oppressors and freed themselves? And there's Vodun, I'm just going to say it phonetically, which originated in West Africa and holds the seeds of Haitian Voodoo. Each branch may revere different spirits, but they all, uh, the lower, but they all be believe in and respect the spirits of ancestors. But then there are regional variations of hoodoo, which is more of a folk practice. There is Gullah-based version here in the Low Country. Okay, I said, it was starting to sound pretty complicated. So what kind of voodoo queen are we looking for? Um, so she kind of runs it down and gives kind of analogous points to it. But I, I give this part of the book credit for two reasons. One, because it says at the beginning that Cookie is not telling us everything. She's saying like, 
Katie, you're trying to solve a murder here. I can't teach you the whole history of this incredibly diverse set of religions and practices in one car ride on the way to see a lady. I'm just going to give you a little bit of information. Is that information correct? Um, it sounds kind of consistent with other things that I have read. I'm not going to go out and say, like, it sounds correct to me because I'm not an expert, but it sounds plausible and it sounds in line with other stuff that I have read. But the author has very clearly stated through Cookie, I'm not an expert at this because I'm not going to like go into detail about all of this stuff. It's a good way of saying this is not the be all and end all of it. So there's an out there for, you know, I haven't included this or I haven't included that, which is very smart. And also I appreciate, you know, are not acting like this one character is going to be an expert uh, by the end of this novel. The second part is a very interesting point that when we talk about black and white magic, we talk about it on this sort of like continuum with grey in the middle, like shades of grey. But it's not necessarily a continuum between good and evil. It goes off in many directions. There's all these other different colours that Cookie is mentioning, like green and purple and red. Um, so it's not really about like good and evil. It's about the different types of magic, the different goals and the intention behind what you're doing, as opposed to just like, here is one way of looking at magic. And I think that was very interesting to think about. I like when fiction books make me think about magic in the real world. So an excellent point. The three different voodoo queens that she is um, directed to go and see are also kind of different and, and, and diverse looks at characters. They're not all the same. So uh, there's three women. So there's one, I'm looking for a name on this page, Marie Lefebvre uh, has a, a little shop and it's kind of tucked away and hidden and she's very kind of kind of protective of of it as uh, a closed practice and so he um the person they go to see uh, see about this says you know take cookie with you because otherwise she's not going to talk to you katie um katie did annoy me here because uh, the guy they've gone to see says uh, you're caucasian voodoo is not your history or part of your culture so that's why she's not going to talk to you and katie thinks at the bottom of page 93 Technically, I had a good dose of Shawnee Indian running through my veins from my father's side of the family, but Jack wasn't wrong about the rest. And it's like, it doesn't really matter if you've got um, like Native American ancestry. Native American ancestry is not the same. It kind of feels like it's lumping all of like everything that's not white together in one big category. So it's like, oh, as long as you're not all white, maybe she'll talk to you. It's like, I don't think that's how that works. But, but there we go. And then we have Mumbo Jenny, who is not African-American. So it's like they say she's not African-American, but she calls herself a Mumbo. So we've also like branched out into this woman who is a white lady who is practicing um, voodoo. She's very commercial about it. She's just doing it to kind of make money uh, when we meet her. And she also has dreadlocks. It feels like there's a lot of cultural appropriation going on in this character. Um which was a kind of a big tip off that, that she was the one I was sort of looking at sideways like, I don't think you're on the up and up. Um, and then the third woman who is sort of the main woman that they talk to uh, is Eulora Scanlon. Uh, and she doesn't call herself like a mamba or a priestess, uh, but just a spiritualist. And she seems to be kind of a mid-road between the two. Like she's not keeping it as like a closed practice and she's not gone full commercial with it she's just kind of like you know i take on people who want to learn and i teach them stuff and i take it very seriously um so she's sort of like a balance between those the other two extremes 
Um, so that was kind of a nice um, balance between the, the, the characters. You also find out something very interesting about Katie, our central character, because I said, like when I mentioned Franklin, that he's the one who told up, uh, turned up and told Katie that she was a light switch. I keep saying, <laughs> I keep thinking in my head, like she's a light switch, and like, it just makes me giggle. But yeah, she's a light witch, and he told her that she was incapable of doing black magic, evil magic. She's always pure light, and it's her job to fight evil. Turns out this was our big crock, um, and she finds this out from um, I think it's Eulora. Um, he's he basically she says that because Franklin's whole thing is fighting dark magic, he saw an opportunity to make Katie into kind of a vampire slayer for evil magic. So he told her these things to try and like shape her path. But Eulora says that this is like basically a lie and or a, a half truth if you're being charitable. She can in fact do like bad magic or like negative magic or whatever you want to call it uh, magic that isn't purely white lighty fluffy magic she doesn't actually have to fight evil it, it's it's completely her choice if she doesn't want to go out there and fight up against evil magic then that's her choice it, you know it's a choice that she's allowed to make she, uh, she says um on page 204 it is not a gift you are obligated to use so, like many things, like just because you're talented at something, just because you have it in your power to, to do something, you know, no one can make you do it for the good of humanity. Um, and she tells her that this is a choice that, you know, she has to make the choice that she can live with. And so I found it interesting because it turned the book series from being a little bit very... Um, simplistic and it's like oh this guy turned up and said oh katie hero of the book series you are only capable of goodness and it is your job to be good against all of the evil things this book takes a much subtler look at things and kind of tempers that in a way that i found very interesting um i like the way that it's going to like maybe impact katie's character later on and she'll have the choice that she can do more sort of morally gray things uh, if she has to Again, at the end, we had a sort of touch of the supernatural. Um, not the, just at the end, it was sort of a, a moment in, in sort of the midpoint of the novel as well. But it was much less overtly supernatural than some Enchanted Eclair. So in some Enchanted Eclair, we had people, you know, losing whole chunks of their memory because of this fucking memory potion, which I'm never going to get over. Um, but in this, it's a little bit... It's, it's not really, like, less or more subtle... But it is kind of less stuff. So there's like a fire that starts at Eulora's house and Katie has to like help her escape. And she feels in the fire this sort of magical malignant intent that is directing the flames towards where it's going to cause the most damage, where it's going to find more fuel. It's, it's kind of helping the fire to like cut them off and trap them in the house. And you can kind of write that off as just the way Katie thinks. But it's not like... I know at this point we're sort of past magical realism. We accept that there is magic this sort of thing can happen in this universe but it keeps it more on an even keel it's less like kind of harry potter fantasy levels and then at the end she sees this gris gris this voodoo talisman that they've been looking for and it used to have like a white fringe at the bottom but now it's black because someone has taken it and and basically if you possess it you can turn it to evil means or like the opposite of what it was originally meant to do and this kind of throws that whole original concept of there being more than just black and white magic out the window because it's like oh no if an evil person has the talisman the tassels turn black <laughs> uh, and then when katie gets it they turn white again 
um, which is again kind of overt magic, but it's not like, you know, a giant dragon made of fire pursuing you down the street. So it, it's, you know, I, I, I found it just just hit the right note for me in terms of like realism and magic. Um, and Cookie also gets her familiar this book, which is very sweet. So all in all, quite a nice return to the series. I did enjoy it. I think the next one is called Spells and Scones. And it's about a writer who gets murdered. So if that book hadn't already come out when I started um, <laughs> reviewing these, I would take that person. No, I wouldn't. But um, <laughs> so I'm going to read that one next. And I think I've got the next one after that in the series because I found it online. But, but then I'm out of them again. So I'll have to see about getting some more. But although I, I did get a little bit annoyed, or very annoyed at the, at the previous installment in the series, I feel like there's good books and bad books in every series, and there's always a point in the series that I've looked at where it's like, this book nearly killed my enjoyment. Um, but that's just like a personal thing, because obviously some books are going to be more one thing than the other, and if that's the thing that you don't like, then you're shit out of luck. But this was a really good one. I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked that it was about the difference between macarons and macarons as well, because that's a little bugbear of mine. Um, and I'll get on to reading the next one so I can review it for you guys. In the meantime, if you'd like to recommend any other book series, I know there's so many like cosy mystery series out there with witches in, but if you could re like recommend another good one, that would be great. Drop those in the description and on the drop those in the comments on YouTube, and I'll probably see that sooner than I will if you send an email. But you can also email me, um, or you can contact me on Instagram. And in the meantime, I will see you in the next one. Bye.